stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. When it comes to education, Alberta has a unique system, a system that offers a lot of choice and a system that allows for taxpayer dollars to follow the student, as it were. So students rolled in independent schools have some some subsidy. Students that are schooled at home, home education, uh, there is a subsidy there as well. So are we getting value for that money? Look, we're, we're in a situation now where obviously the Alberta government needs to be looking at every dollar that it spends. Right. So we, we've got that overarching concern. But more specifically, there's been a lot of criticism, um, certainly from from advocates uh, of a more public education system, a system with less choice to say that we should focus our funding on the public system. That if well off families want to send their kids to private schools, they should do so. But should the taxpayers be subsidizing them or absent that subsidy? The argument goes, that well, those kids would be in private education anyway. But is that the case? So how do we go about measuring then the value we're getting for uh, this funding? And, and how do we measure the impact of the success of Alberta offering this amount of school choice? Well, there's an interesting new report out today from both the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and the Alberta-based Parents for Choice in Education. How educational choice saved Alberta taxpayers $1.9 billion and supports student success. In other words, we're getting value and we're getting results. Well, joining us to talk more about all of this, very pleased to welcome to the program, uh, policy analyst Mark Milkey is the co-author of this report and joins us on the line here this afternoon. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Rob. All right. Well, what do people need to know about how education and educational choice in Alberta is funded? Well, we've got a diverse model, and uh, it's benefited students in a number of ways and and parents who pay the bills. so this is actually an updated report from 2015. I first released this report in 2015 with, um, with, with the organization that initially uh, funded the report. And this year we added the Canadian Taxpayers Federation to uh, Parents for Choice in Education. Um, now, basically what we set out to answer is this question. Um, how much does it cost to educate a student in the public system? using a couple of uh, categories and creating a conservative estimate. And then uh, what do we pay to independent slash private schools and for home education? And because we have to, the big picture is this. You've got about 30,000 some students that are in independent schools. You've got about 12,000 students roughly that are educated at home. What happens if all of a sudden those had to flood back into the, what we call the public system? Um, well, you know, we, we came up with estimates based on very conservative estimates um, of the cost, right, using a couple of categories, uh, not all the categories for cost, but looking at instruction costs, uh, operations and maintenance, and student transportation. So you put those in, but you exclude things that wouldn't necessarily change if a, public mo- if a student moves from the independent school to a public school. So, for example, you know, your debt interest payments aren't going to change. Um, your basic education education programs or project support are not going to change in terms of the cost, likely. Um, so we came up with this conservative estimate. And what we found is, if all of a sudden you had these students in the public system, you'd be paying $270 million more in taxes, or it would cost the system that much more in the public system this year alone. And over eight years that we looked at the data, the total cost savings are uh, amounted to $1.9 billion. And um, that's the price that taxpayers would pay if all those students were in the public system, $1.9 billion over eight years. Wow. 
Uh, so for uh, a student in a public uh, school, it works out to about, it's about $10,000 per student. The cost. Yeah, $10,800, basically. And how does that compare then to, to home education, to independent school? So uh, school, per student funding for private schools, and again, this is using a couple of categories and excluding others, again, to reach a conservative estimate of the cost in the public system, as I mentioned before. So um, again, you know, governance and system administration, for example, we don't include in the cost of educating students in the public system um, if a student comes from the independent school because those costs may not change when a student moves over. They may, but they may not. So to be conservative, we, we came up with a couple of categories, and it costs 10800 if you're in the public system per student, private schools, 5400 Home education is a relative bargain for taxpayers at just under $1,700. So what about the argument then, Mark, that if we didn't fund independent schools, if we didn't fund uh, homeschooling, that we would save that money because those parents are going to do that anyway? Yeah, well, that, and that gets back to actually an introduction that maybe independent schools are elite. Now, some are, but as an organization I once worked for, the Fraser Institute found, about 80% of independent schools, in fact, charge tuition rates that are within the reach of the average family. So they're not elite, and the parents who send their kids to those schools are not elite, they're not rich. And so you've got four-fifths of the independent schools out there where if you didn't have some per-student funding, um, these parents may not be able to send their kids. And, in fact, what you end up doing is exactly what, uh, you know, some are afraid of. You would end up uh, with only independent schools where the rich could afford to send their kids. So that's, that's the fallacy in that argument. Most of these independent schools are not elite, and you'd end up uh, – shunting only uh, those from rich families into those schools as opposed to, as opposed to offering more educational choice now with our system as it is. Right. And, and in terms then of, of the student success that flows from this, what, what do you see as the connection then between school choice and student success? Well, I mean, on a, on a broad scale, um, and, and, you know, my, my background, I've done lots of work, for example, in public policy over the years, including looking at monopolies. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone for a moment who thinks that a one-size-fits-all system, whether it's education or anything else, produces great results doesn't understand the deleterious effect of monopolies, right? When you don't have the ability to look for some other service from some other provider and you're stuck with one model, that doesn't promote innovation, doesn't promote accountability. And so um, what Alberta system has done for a long time, including public school reforms in the 1980s and 1990s, has said choice is at the heart of our system. Uh, in part, I mean, it was never designed necessarily to save money, though it does that when you talk about independent schools and home education. But um, the design was, was there in part, even on the public side, between, say, traditional public schools and charter schools, in part to say choice matters. It's how you keep the system accountable. It's how you introduce innovation to the system. And if you don't like the school your child is going to, perhaps you can send them to this other school over there, whether it's in the separate school system, whether it's in a charter school, and so on and so forth. So at the heart of this is really an understanding that monopolies are not terribly efficient. I mean, they're the opposite of efficiency. Even, and people like to talk about students and efficiency, but we are talking about one size fits all versus uh, parents who think, look, my kid deserves the best education they can get, and you're not going to get that if... Um, you know, one set of interests run the system. 
Right. So in terms of, of how we, we make these policy decisions, because we got two issues we're dealing with here. One is the financial. And as you've illustrated, there, there's actually a cost savings to this approach, not, not a cost. And number two, then, I guess, is more of a, I don't know if it's a moral question so much, but the idea, though, that, that we should give parents some, some choice and not foist a, a one-size-fits-all model on everybody. Well, exactly. I mean, in the report, which you can find online at, at taxpayers.com or on the Parents for Choice and Education website, uh, we note in our report that there's a 2013 OECD study which looked at uh, students in independent schools and, and public schools and found out the students in independent schools, 15-year-olds, significantly outperformed their peers in the public schools, you know, even after you control for economic, social, and cultural status. So um, that's the value of having a balance out there, uh, of having some choice and diversity within uh, the school system. Uh, I mean, we know this from other fields, right? Uh, no one in their right mind would say, again, we don't like to talk about students as, uh, as a product because they're not. They're more important than a product. But no one in their right mind would think that one automobile dealership in a city or one automobile manufacturer would deliver you great cars. Right. Uh, for those with historical memories, you end up with Soviet Ladas. Um, and look, kids are much more important than any material thing. It's, it's why you don't want you know, one entity to control every possible school and every possible design. So that's the beauty of a choice-based system, which Alberta has and should be very proud of. As I mentioned, people can read this paper for themselves, parentchoice.ca, also taxpayer.com. Mark, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Rob. All right. Uh, Mark Milkey is a policy analyst, co-author of this report done for the uh, group Parents for Choice in Education, also the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, parentchoice.ca, taxpayer.com. Uh, so really, you know, they're suggesting people need to, to sort of shift the thinking in, in how we view this. Uh, because critics of school choice frame it as a subsidy, that the Alberta government gives money to private schools and that we would save money if we stopped giving money to public schools. And, and I think they've had some success in, in how the public perceives it. Uh, so this paper argues that we need to look at it differently, that this actually saves the system a lot of money over eight years, almost $2 billion. Because it costs about $10,000, almost $11,000 per student, uh, to educate a child in the public system. Whereas the taxpayer cost per student, private schools, independent schools, averages about $5,400, and for home education, just under $1,700 per student. So that's a lot less than $10,000 per student. So if you cut off those, those subsidies, now it's conceivable that, that for the ultra-wealthy, that whatever, $5,000, what do I care? I'm going to send my kid to this Uber elite school anyway. Probably wouldn't change, sure. But I think there were a lot of families that that makes a huge difference. So if all of a sudden now you've got a bunch of students that are costing the system about $5,400 per capita per year, and now all of a sudden they go back to the public system and that cost doubles, that's what we'd be dealing with. Anyway, 974-8255, 974-TALK. Curious as to your thoughts on school choice and whether Alberta should continue to promote school choice in the way that we do. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.